my name is Adam Hanover and this is the Boxing Coaches Podcast. We take a look into the craft and the science of boxing coaching, asking the ultimate question, can we do it better? The podcast delves into areas like skill acquisition, sports science, developing effective coaching relationships, reflective practice and challenging the norms and traditions of boxing coaching. All this whilst tackling the nitty gritty of our day-to-day boxing practice. So if you're a boxing coach, a boxer or a parent or simply interested in learning through sport, then square yourself away for 20 to 40 minutes and let's talk boxing. Hi guys, this is episode number 38 of the Boxing Coaches podcast and today I'm going to be talking about shadow boxing, okay, something that I've been chatting to loads of coaches recently about, um, partly because of this episode but also um, because I think it's a really, really interesting traditional thing that we do um, and has some some great pros and some, some... uh, some cons as well, so yeah, just want to sort of talk to you about that. Uh, in the meantime, though, just been uh, been a really busy one, so I've not been able to put a podcast out for a while. Um, right in the middle of the uh, coronavirus problem at the moment, the pandemic. It's uh, what's it today? It's Wednesday, the eighteenth of March, two thousand twenty. At the moment, two o'clock. Just sat at my desk, just uh, finishing off some marking and a few other little bits at the Dice Academy. Uh, yeah, and uh, we've had a show cancelled. We were going to have one in two weeks' time on the twenty seventh of March, and just been doing a six week training cycle with all the boxes to get to that. And they're absolutely gutted that that's uh, unfortunately been scuppered by the problem. Um, so am I. So um, yeah, that's part of the reason. I've been really, really, really busy with um, with sorting that out and. Um, you know, with all these problems at the moment, not quite sure what's going on with the season. You know what's happened. I know a lot of uh, championships of England boxing have been cancelled. Uh, um, England pathway training camps been cancelled. We just had the uh, the Olympic qualifiers just been halted, and Euros twenty twenty has been put back at twenty one. So it's it's crazy times at the moment. And um, yeah, I don't want to go too much on about it because obviously everyone's having these conversations with each other, and they're probably sick of it already, and sick of Facebook. Uh, posts and jokes and memes or whatever they're called nowadays and all that kind of stuff going on so yeah so let's get down to the nitty-gritty guys so shadow boxing so what I thought I'd do is just put it into pros and cons really so I'm gonna start with the pros so uh, when I was competing um, I absolutely love shadow boxing it was that real kind of uh, feel of freedom as you're doing it and um, I used to do it kind of mixed in with runs so I'd go for a run on the seafront in Eastbourne do my sprint and then I'd find a little bit just off the beaten track and do some shadow boxing Um, and it was that real kind of feel of of you versus the world a little bit like when you are running so I used to actually really love doing it and found it really um, yeah just kind of like unbridled kind of doing it Um, and it had that real kind of kinesthetic attention slide so everything was about kind of feel where you're going to so obviously there wasn't much about visual because there was nothing in front of you but you really kind of attended to those kind of kinesthetic those feeling cues in the body when the energy was traveling and had that real kind of sense of of uh of flow around the body um you know some people are really really good at doing it and they're good at using their imagination and 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 almost kind of like role playing when they're shadow boxing as well so um it might be versus a certain opponent or or even um something i've seen is being asked to shadow box against yourself you know and so being very self-aware about what your strengths what your weaknesses are how would you beat yourself how would you expose yourself um you know and what's coming back at you so how will you defend against yourself is 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 a great one but you know that whole role play you know what who are you actually boxing against when you're shadow boxing you know how tall are they what stance are they in what style you know um but also throwing in a few wild cards so you know expecting perhaps a a tall southpaw actually to come at you rather than being you know counter puncher so we, we tend to pigeonhole a lot of people 
people with with certain styles but um if you had a really good sense of imagination um and that kind of real good visualization skills it was a really positive thing for you to do um there's obviously a lot of uh, technical adaptations that you can be doing in shadow boxing, especially in watching yourself in the mirror um, or having a, a coach watching you and, and observing what you're doing. So you could work on certain technical aspects of a shot or a movement or a phase of attack or a defensive course, um, and that could be done under relatively low pressure. So really thinking about the movement of the body and how that actually works. Uh, and of course, there's no cost to it. Um, you can do it anywhere. I mean, I remember when I first started boxing in, uh, when was it, 97, I think it was, when I first started boxing, um, you know, you, you'd walk past a window and you'd just find yourself shadow boxing. You'd walk past a tree and there's a leaf hanging down, you'd find yourself shadow boxing, or past a car, in, car window, and you found yourself shadow boxing. It was that real bug. But you can actually do it anywhere. You can do it in your bedroom, you can do it at home, you can do it in your garden. So you don't have to be anywhere. You don't have to go and pay stupid amounts in, in a, you know, in a, in a local gym to do it. So it's, you know, it's very free to do. Um, I mentioned about observing yourself, um, so yeah, more more on a technical side probably than the, than a tactical side, because obviously tactics um, have to have an opponent with you um, to dictate what your movements are. Uh, the other thing is is injuries, especially things like hand injuries. So if you have a hand injury, then um, obviously we're throwing shots there's no impact so it's something that we can keep practicing it doesn't exclude us from training you know some boxers either find excuses not to train although i'm not sure a lot of them do find excuses or they just don't have the education or the imagination to actually think what can i do instead so obviously shadow boxing is something that um you know it's it's very low level in terms of um, skill development but technically we can still work physically we can still push ourselves at various different uh intensities so uh, I suppose it also means you know where where's your attention. So what where where are you actually thinking about with your body parts or your movements? So you can really kind of take ownership of where your attention is, um, but you can also take ownership of what what your intentions are. So what are your 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 outcomes for this session. Um, so if you're very good at doing this, you can have a very uh, very clear uh, learning outcome, if you will, uh, for what your intentions want to be, perhaps against a certain uh, style of boxer. Um, and of course, it's not actually, but it's not really dictated by an opponent so you can actually perform perform different um, tactics perhaps or, or techniques but not um, it's not dictated by your opponent so whether that's for good or for bad but at a low level that can be quite a good thing um, I suppose um, you're also kind of limited by your imagination really so you know is that a pro or a con I'm not you know I'm not quite sure um, but you know there is uh, elements of, of training that you can be, do, be doing there and I think it's more quality if you do have some good visualisation skills and probably less so if you don't. Um, so shadow boxing can actually be aligned to competition tactically in some ways so imagine yourself uh, with a specific opponent but this can be made more specific or more representative if I think if a partner mimics it in a in a kind of a shadow spar as I like to call it so something I've just moved away from a lot is when we're actually doing shadow boxing is to actually pair them up get them reading the cues and clues from each other so we can still do shadow boxing but I think a step up in terms of variability and how representative it is of the sport can be actually placing someone in front of them so you actually have, you have a a context or a reason for actually uh, throwing those shots at a person and using certain defences rather than just performing uh, isolated techniques. Um, and I suppose 
in the current climate we're in with the coronavirus, etc., um, we can actually go away and self-isolate and actually use shadow um, as a, a positive thing uh, to do. So, you know, but making sure that you have, you have got specific problems that you're dealing with when you're shadow boxing uh, rather than just be turning, turning into a kind of a fitness tool, which is basically like boxer size, which um, is just a physical tool, as I mentioned, not a technical or tactical or, or definitely a skill development tool. Um, so I suppose it's also a change of gear. So where boxers can, can really kind of immerse themselves in a, in a kind of self-led practice, which they can practice really safely with little to no physical complications and, 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 and thinking is actually accountable to the boxer themselves. So, you know, the level of progress, progress they get from it is in some ways up to them uh, in terms of their visualisation skills and, and actually are they staying aligned to um, what their goal is for that. Okay, so just moving across now onto some of the cons. So, you know, did mention you can align it to some tactical development depending on who you put in front of you. But, you know, it's ultimately limited. So the, the actual tactical development is done... Um, it's done without a scenario or a context. And so when you're shadow boxing, you know, you're either in your mind thinking about what shots may come back at you, which is fine, but ultimately in, in boxing, there's going to be a, a wide range of variability, lots of different things. You know, are they, are they attacking? Are they, uh, are they defending front foot, back foot? What stance are they? You know, are they triggering and, and, and fainting? You know, all these different um, chaotic things of, 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 um, of boxing. You know, can we really... Um, allow shadow boxing to help us prepare for that i'm not entirely sure um there's also lack of instant feedback so what i mean by that when you throw a shot and you land a shot that's instant feedback you know whether you've been successful you can also feel that um that feedback going through the body that kinesthetic kind of feedback um when we we throw a shot every time we throw a shot in shadow boxing the assumption is that we landed it so then what starts happening is uh, we start throwing threes, fours, fives, combinations, uh, and assume that we landed the shot. But in reality, we all know that if I throw one shot, I might be lucky if I hit the second shot in. Maybe it's touched a glove, or maybe they've rolled under it, and you know, use a trunk defence. Or, but mainly, they've probably moved their feet. So we need to have some kind of adaption in in between as well. And um, shadow boxing, for me, doesn't doesn't offer you that um, that instant feedback because it's it's fake because you actually think that you've actually landed the shots. So I suppose conversely as well, it's the same with the defence. Is if you're shadow boxing, you're moving your head, you're moving your feet, and you're you're comfortable and confident that you've actually evaded that punch uh, and put yourself in a decent position. Well, in reality, perhaps we didn't move enough. Um, they were quicker to it than you were, so you've actually been caught. So there's a lot of success, you know, a real high level of success in shadow boxing. But um, in reality, you know, are we preparing ourselves, um, you know, for competition when we're, we're shadow boxing? It's a hundred percent success rate. So we need to think about that punching and adjusting, um, and making sure that we are reacting all the time. Um, so if we go back to actually the the real laws of what the sport are, and I think one of the the major laws or the mother of all laws for for boxing is the whole uh, perception action coupling, which we mentioned several times in some of the other podcasts. So. What actually does shadow boxing is it completely decouples the action from the perception. So everything that we're doing essentially is action. It's a, a punch, it's a defense, it's a movement, it's a phase. But there's very, very little um, coupling of what you saw to actually dictate how you acted. So it's not really reacted. It's not related to a visual cue. There's no clues that we're thinking, right, I need to react in this certain way now. So there's actually no loop of perceiving and acting, and therefore there's no uh, closing of that loop from acting to perceive. Now, you might see a few boxers, um, um, some really high-level boxers, what they're doing. They're constantly moving their trunk, not just to... to um, 
have constant movement and momentum so they're not getting caught but they're actually looking at their opponent they're, they're actually spotting little holes uh, in the defense and, and just changing where they are just to see if there's a new angle they can throw from so they're constantly actually um, they're acting to perceive and then they're actually perceiving to act okay or looking to do or doing to act so I think with shadow boxing we often decouple what we're actually doing uh, and we turn it just into an action rather than um, that ability to perceive and some of the best boxers you know you think about the Lomachenko's of the world you watch them just doing a stakeout they're there just in front of the boxer doing a little stakeout half throwing a shot a little trigger a little feint just to see what they're doing and collecting more information about the boxer in front of them uh, not to mention kind of really breaking their heart all the time every time they make them miss uh, I'm not saying that we should be doing that completely and utterly in like the first round of an amateur bout because in pros you can get away with it like he, he barely throws a punch in the first sort of one two minutes of a first round and we've got to work and win that first round in, in a, an amateur bout so we've got to do it a little bit more under pressure but I think we have we have to be able to perceive to act and act to perceive so making sure that we're really looking and studying those people and I think shadow boxing um, it completely decouples it and, and takes away that um, one of the golden laws or rules um, of boxing. So, you know, how much variability is there in shadow boxing? You know, it does give you little clues or the word affordances uh, for you to shape your responses or your behavior. So, how much chaos is actually present in shadow boxing? How representative of the demands of boxing? actually does shadow boxing have uh, I think in some ways it does change go up and down but maybe it's quite on a low scale um, and I suppose also if we do the maths so think about uh, your boxers how often do they shadow box well I'm going to sort of think about myself now how how often did I shadow box when I box so I trained uh, I trained I think on a Monday what did I train I think a Monday Thursday and a Friday I used to train um, and I always did about I think six to eight rounds of shadow boxing, mainly as a bit of a warm up after I warmed up properly, but then I'll go straight into my shadow boxing. And I think I was doing eight twos. Um, so that's about 16 minutes um, for getting the, the blocks in between. Um, so around about 25 minutes worth of shadow boxing. The sessions were an hour and a half long. So a third, really, of my boxing life was done shadow boxing, decoupled away from my ability to uh, to read information. Uh, and I wonder if I was actually shadow boxing with someone opposite me, how much more value that would have given me. Um, you could argue that you might still get hit, but not really worried about it because you're not getting that information or that feedback of getting hit when you're shadow boxing. So you might switch off a little bit. But I wonder if that if we I did miss opportunities to actually read information from someone shadow boxing opposite me, so like a shadow spa, um, as it were. So I think if we do the maths, you know, it can be quite surprising, you know. You know how much of our training and how much variability there is in our training and how representative it is of the demands of the sport. So um, does it also confirm what we already know? So is it actually a training or a fitness tool um, or is it a learning tool? And I think it slides a little bit more towards that training tool. Everything we throw is something we, we pretty much know. You know. How often do we do something different in shadow boxing and, and for what reason, for what context? So how, how much really, you know, how much really is it actually um, a learning tool or is it just that confirmation and training and there's a big difference between training and learning you know training is what we know learning is is pushing our our kind of cerebral um, boundaries if you will so the other thing as well is warm-ups we often use it I think too early in warm-ups and we talked about this with uh, with Elliot Dillon about warm-ups you know how often do we actually use it in warm-ups and people go into shadow boxing straight away um, and then what they're doing they're kind of really 
using it as kind of like a calisthenics kind of warm-up and then they start actually grooving and, and drilling all these different movements into their body when they're not really warmed up there's not that kind of feedback between body and mind and mind and body um, so they start drilling all these um, irrelevant uncontextualized movements um, rather than actually moving their bodies and finding different movement solutions uh, for different problems so i think using it in warm-up when we're not properly switched on it, it becomes even more of a worse uncoupled tool um so ultimately and i think how long are we now we're about 15 minutes in now and i've been yapping on ultimately why shadow box if other people are available so why would i go to a gym and do lots of shadow boxing um, when i can do that at home but there's actually other people there for me to learn from there's other, there's people there um who will help me couple that perception and action so i can read the information they're doing and i can actually shadow box and and uh, read from as many different people in that gym as possible who have different styles different heights different stances and that's going to really um, open up a wealth of knowledge and and different skills for me to actually contextualize the learning i'm doing with my shadow boxing so um yeah i think a, an analogy we could use is um you know, if you're going to go, you don't go to uh, to a restaurant just to have a glass of water with someone. You know, you can have that glass of water at home or that drink at home. But ultimately, you're going there for the conversation, you know, opposite that person, whether it be a date or with a group of friends. You know, and that's where you actually get the learning and the growing, um, going to that restaurant and, and sharing information, having conversations. So, you know, if I want to just have a glass of water or a glass of wine, I can do that at home. So, you know, if we are going to be in the gyms, how often can we actually get in front of someone, read those cues, read those clues and actually train ourselves to perceive before we act. So, yeah, loads of pros and cons there um, about shadow boxing. Um, I think we, we have to really question what we're doing when we do shadow boxing. There are, there are great values to it. How much skill transfer there is uh, to actually competing, I'm not entirely sure. Um, there, are, there is value to it, of course, but I think we've got to really challenge those traditions and think, you know, can we do it better? Are there ways to chink it? Are we spending too much time, not enough on it? You know, and, and can we get can we get people in front of us to to really close that perception action coupling loop up? All right, guys, um, this is always a bit of a contentious one, and it always is when I have conversations with people. So love to hear from you guys. Drop me a message. Uh, my email is adam.haniver at gbmc.ac.uk, or you can just drop me a message on... Um, Instagram, on Twitter, or on Facebook, and just um, just look up the Boxing Coaches podcast on there, guys, and you will find it. Um, and let's start conversations. So, yeah, really enjoyed ranting on, guys. Everyone stay really safe. Um, I'm hoping this is all going to blow over very, very soon and boxing and, and general life can be back on track. But, um, yeah, speak to you all soon, guys, and I hope you enjoyed the content. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. If you liked this podcast, similar content and discussions can be found at The Box Gathering. The Box Gathering is a social initiative born out of the ashes of the first lockdown in March 2020. We provide a platform where coaches, boxers, officials and boxing enthusiasts can join together online to discuss various boxing topics. It's free to join and upgrade options offer unlimited access to all our live gatherings, campfire videos and coaching resources. Join today at www.theboxgathering.co.uk